Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the role of 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. And I am Cody. Welcome back, Cody. How was Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, I had, so we, <laughs> we had to drive 10 hours oh to get God. to my in-laws. That could have been a nightmare, but our mother-in-law was in the car with us and, um, our that mother-in-law? Well, I guess my mother-in-law. <laughs> it's like, it's like wait a second, there's a, like a third party that's in here? Okay. <laughs> so, sorry, your mother-in-law. Uh, so... She was back there with the baby, and that made it a lot easier, and we left ridiculously early in the morning. So we left at four in the morning, got in the car, started driving, and, like, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad, so it was like, you know, it it could have been much, 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 much worse. So, no complaints from me on that. Yeah. I mean... That's always good. I am fine with driving long distance because I do it all the time, but... Yeah, well, that's the thing. is like, me and Mandy are both, like, pretty comfortable drivers, I would say. Like, Mandy likes to drive. I'm fine with it. So, you know, it wasn't like we were mad that we had to do it or anything. It was fine. Yeah, just a necessary evil for the weekend. Oh, and really the other thing, too, is we had, like, a... We got a tablet for uh, our son... And it's like, it's one of those things where in my head, I am sure I'm just destroying him by letting him use technology and that he's going to like grow up to not ever be able to love anyone because he's touched an iPad. But I mean, I wasn't thinking that at all, but apparently you hit hit the hammer right on the head. I mean, I was 100% thinking that. (laughs) But it's one of those things that like we use it sparingly and I'm sitting here like now defending this, but yeah, we use it sparingly, but on the trip, it was nice that like when he was bored out of his mind and there was nothing to do in the car, he could just like sit there and pop balloons and stuff. I always feel so horrible when I sit like on either a train or a bus or airplane and see like a kid with his face just shoved in a tablet. I was like, wow, you're not going to like, like do anything with your kid you're just gonna give a tablet shut up kid you look at your tablet we'll do our own thing like i always feel like a monster when i think that's like i'm like i'm am i the bad one the thing is like you know and it's funny and and i i know right comedians like make this joke and it's like the most classic joke is like babies on an airplane and i'm just like you know what better than snakes well yes also but i'm just like (laughs) I don't know. It's it's not like I'm offended by those jokes or I'm like actively mad at comedians that make them. But it's happy. But every time there's like some comedians like the reason I don't have kids is because they shouldn't be able to be on airplanes. I'm like, screw you. Like, yeah, why don't we just let humanity go extinct so you don't have to hear a baby cry? Like whatever parent is sitting next to that child has heard that baby cry for nine million hours straight. Yeah. And And, uh, the reason they gave them a tablet is so they don't scream and kick the back of your seat. So I'm like, whatever. I will say out of the hundreds of flights I've, well, not hundreds, I would probably say like 60s flights I have been on. I've only ever had two bad experiences with kids going crazy. And they were usually like older, like six or so. Yeah. And then there there is that age where it's like, if it's a six year old or like an older kind of kid. Just hit him. (laughs) I mean... World Shop does not condone hitting your kids. Don't do it. Um, yeah, that's like, well. Uh, well, don't, well, don't open hand punch your kid. Well, uh, well no, Tony. you wouldn't want to close hand punch your kid. Sorry, close hand. Sorry, I forgot which one means which, okay? Don't hit I your forgot kid. which one was the bad one. Really probably, like, I don't know. like Depending on how hard you hit him. We shouldn't be talking you, about this. 
Well, no, like, honestly, everyone has an opinion on, like, whether or not you should spank or in any way touch children. And then it changes when you have children. Oh, I got the wooden spoon. Yeah, well, like, that's the thing. And the chair. That's a joke. I was making a wrestling joke. My mom did not hit me with the chair. Like, I I know that there were, like, a couple of, like, there were very few times when I was spanked as a child. And I don't feel like I was particularly abused. But right now, I would also say that personally i am like opposed to spanking a kid like i don't think i'm going to do that but um let me tell you i understand why it happens and i don't think that people that spank their kids sparingly are monsters like i I think that there's probably good research it shows that it's not the best way to handle your child but kids are dicks by nature yeah like a six-year-old is just a bad person there are no good six-year-olds yeah no 100 percent. but at some point it becomes the parents fault if their kids acting like a monster in a public space but if if the kids a year old no they're you can't communicate they don't know they don't understand i mean it's it's to a point really and also it's just like your kid's just going to be a terrible piece of crap sometimes and sometimes yeah you well, sometimes you literally cannot do anything about it until you get home well and, and that's totally true is like i i know for a fact like i was a fairly decent kid like i didn't really get into a lot of trouble i wasn't i like, only had to get in trouble once and then i didn't do it again well right and, but that's the thing is there was one time when i lost my mind and threw a tantrum in public when i was like six years old and then i got in a lot of trouble but you know the outside observer it just looked like my parents sucked at their job because they had a six-year-old who was like throwing crap in a store but you know so at some point as a parent your kid's gonna do something horrible and it's gonna be embarrassing yeah as long as it's not murder i think you're fine (laughs) yeah yeah, hopefully (laughs) hopefully you like fix the issues before they get to the point of murder don't drop Graham on his head and don't abuse him. And I think he should be fine in that area. He did fall off the couch today, but uh, that's, that's becoming, so, he's so mobile now that it's like, I want to be worried about him falling over, but I mean, he moves constantly. He's like running all over the place. He climbs on everything. Hey dude, he's, he's not even just, that old. It's going to get worse the older he gets. I know he falls so much, but it's like, he has to learn you know, like, and I feel bad, but I'm like, well, you're gonna, to learn how to walk, you're, you're gonna not, fall X number of times. He's not you even know? at the age where you're gonna have to deal with blood. Because I feel bad for my parents because I bled a lot. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've been there. Like, I exploded. I've done it. Like, I exploded with blood as a kid, just, like, pulling out teeth, fall, like, falling and scraping my whole elbow on my bike, had, um, like, a hair clip go through my leg, I the radio antenna go through my leg, um, fell and busted my lip, busted my nose, have a scar under my lip, have a scar on my forehead. Yeah, I was always covered Did in you- blood as a kid. Have you ever broken a bone? Oh, no, you did break your arm. The only time I broke a bone was in college. So I got out lucky. Wasn't that weird? That's how I was as a kid, too. Like, I hurt myself stupidly all the time, but I really never, like, had a serious, serious injury. Like, the the worst thing that I had is I I got bit by a brown recluse once. Oh, my God! Oh, my... Oh, yeah, have you not seen... Like, I know that we're on a podcast, but, like, there's a scar on my arm right there. I don't know if you can see it. No, I've never... We've never talked about that before. That literally uh, sends shivers through my spine. Yeah, no, I mean, it literally did the whole thing where, like, my arm swelled up like a balloon and started, like, leaking coagulated blood. Oh, my God. Like... Okay, Again, real quick, this is not a visual you, podcast, but I'm like literally close to tearing up and crying. That's so terrifying. That scares if, if the crap out of me. If you have a queasy stomach, just skip the next five minutes of this podcast. Not five, we're not going to talk about it for five minutes. Okay, so here's like the real nightmarish thing that happened to me when I got bit by a brown recluse at one point. Like, 
I, this, this reflects poorly on my parents. It was not their fault. It was me. I was like 15 at the time. I, I'm like the type of person that when I, I just don't like, it sounds braggy to say, I just don't feel pain very much. But like, that's what my dad always said is he was like, even when I was a little kid, I would hurt myself and I wouldn't say anything and I would just keep going. And then they would like find out later, like, shoot, you're like bleeding all over the place. You're like, like in stop a lot it. of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Like st- stop hurting yourself and then just continuing to like do whatever you're doing. Um, so there was one point where like, so your arm swells up. Right. Yeah. And oh, like, not only is it like an infection. So there's like pus and stuff coming out of your arm in like freaking buckets. It like rots your arm in a way yeah, that it meant necrotizes that, like, the flesh for a little bit. Yeah, right. So my arm was full of that, right? And um, like the turning point, like it was bad. Like I was like fevery, I felt sick, and like I just didn't tell my parents. Like I just had a band-aid on my like a big bandage on my arm, and I told them I cut myself, which is so like you know, stab like accidentally was like doing something and cut myself because like we were pretty outdoorsy. Yeah, yeah. So that was like scrapes and bumps were really typical, you know. Yeah. Um and I had just told him that happened, you know? And, and so then I went into the bathroom at one point and, like, literally just squeezed my arm mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. all of that, Gee, like, doctors. rotten flesh goop out of my arm. Oh, I'm about to puke. <sighs> and it was, like, so much blood. But it felt really good, too. Yeah, because you got like, all the nasty out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Dude. at that point, probably the venom had, like, run its course or whatever. I don't know if any of this is accurate. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but so don't don't ever do this. Like, if you get bit by a really bad spider, go to the doctor yes. and have them prescribe you antibiotics. Especially if it's are, one of, like, the known bad ones, like brown recluse. Like, go to the doctor immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, topical antibiotics are really good, honestly, but they're not that good. <laughs> um, so anyways, like, after I did that, I, like, felt faint because I had lost blood in, an, in enough and fast enough that I, like kind of went and collapsed on the couch and I was just like laying there and I was like, I don't feel so good. (laughs) Like I just squeezed a pint of blood out of my arm. Shoot. (laughs) And then I got better. So (laughs) that was good. This is the point of like, when I talk to friends about like their injuries where I ask, how are you not dead? (laughs) Yeah. Right. That wasn't, I don't know. That is scary. Like the, the, the worst one is when I clotheslined myself on an ATV. Okay, we we <laughs> just so this this is like the time when we have this conversation. We usually talk about like what we've been into, but this is a conversation where we just has like we're old, we're in our late twenties, so let's talk about <laughs> about hitting children. Well, not hitting children and um, brown reckless fights. But yeah, no, like as a child, I was always in, I don't think there was like a month in my childhood where I wasn't injured in some way. Yep. Like, yeah, no, I busted my lip multiple times, like completely exploded my lip multiple times. Were you like a sporty kid? Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, we play, I played soccer for like, you know, the elementary years. Then I did karate, football, tennis. You played football? Middle school. Um, yeah. So yeah, football, tennis. Did track, did marching band. Um, I ran a lot, biked a lot. I was sporty, and then I got fat in my twenties. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like that's why like I, I'm a decently athletic person. I started doing like one of those like trains for a five k thing with a friend, and they're like, "Oh man, you're like running so much further and faster than I am!" Like right off the bat, it's like that's good. It's like 
I'm a decently athletic person. It's just I choose to be a nerd over athleticism. Because <laughs> it's like, what What in my late... To- oh, yeah, and I also did skiing and snowboarding as well. Oh, oh right, because you, like, lived near enough to a place with, like, hills, right? Yeah, yeah. Mansfield is where they have the ski slopes. Um, there's snow trails and... Um, Red River Mountain or some some soup. Anyways, we should so Cody really quickly because we're already deep in. Um, what have you been into recently? Okay, so here's what I've been into. Um, I started modding Morrowind a lot. Yeah, and uh, a couple a couple fun things happened from that. The first one is I I did a I, it took me a while to get a stable modded version, which I have now. I'm pretty Can, happy with. So are you so are you just downloading mods? Or are you making your own mods? Oh, no, no, I'm downloading. Okay, because I was about to ask, like, how do you, like, mod on your own? I've always wondered that. No, okay. no, So no, you're no, just, no. Da- okay, you're downloading mods. Okay. No, it's just, I, I wanted to get back into the game, and there's, like, a pretty good community for mods. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I know that. a bunch I, of stuff, you know. know. I'm not, like, judging you. Um, and I also found out you could do some squirrely stuff to get it to run on Android. Like, oh. the Elder Scrolls 3 runs on Android if you do some stuff, right? So, did that stuff, was playing it on my phone, and honestly, like, a lot of the time I was in the car traveling, I was playing it on my phone, it was great. I've uh, had to be sitting in a car a lot for work recently, so I was playing it then. And I got really used to that version, and I kept kind of having this not like nagging thought in the back of my head, like, does the game really look this much better after I've modded it and done all this stuff? And then and you realized you would just play Skyrim. <laughs> No, I I went from my phone back to the computer and I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so much better on the computer now than it is on my phone. Yeah. Um. So that was, it's actually kind of, it's rewarding, you know, that it, like it worked out that way because it was really fiddly to get all the stuff to work. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so here's, here's the part where I tell you some embarrassing stories about myself. Oh God, here we go, guys. It's Cody's, he embarrasses himself hour. Okay, so first of all, like, obviously there's titties as mods, like, because of course there is, right? Like, the first mod that was probably made is when you take your shirt off, you're naked, right? Yes, that's, I honestly think that's the first mod for any games. They look for how to make the character nude. Yeah, right. So I installed that mod, obviously, which was uh, really fun for the first five minutes. And then I got attacked by a naked Nord who would usually be wearing a loincloth. But instead, just had a big old Nord dick. <laughs> just flopping around there. Just Well, <laughs> and the problem is, uh, he stunlocked me. And you get stunlocked in this game, you stumble and fall to the ground. So the whole fight, I was just staring right at his junk. And I'm like, I don't know if I need this in my game. Uh, but it's still installed. So here's the second mod that I you, installed. Wait, you didn't uninstall the naked mod? No, man, definitely not. <laughs> oh, that's freaking hilarious that you just dealt with it. You're not like, oh, God, you just dealt with it. That's great. Yep, I just moved on, that's you know. That's freaking um, hilarious. But then the second thing that happened is I installed a mod. I don't, I installed two mods. One of them is called Morrowind Comes Alive. And I think it adds prostitutes to the game. I think. <laughs> so did you just and shotgun then, approach this or do you actually read what you were um, getting yourself into? I mean, sometimes I see a mod and it's just called Romance, and I install the mod called Romance. Of course, here's you, of the course point. You do. I'm playing a female character, of course. and uh, I just got my period in the game. What? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what, what mod added that. What or why? Of all the things you can add into the game, you they added having a period. Yep. 
that's uh yeah what does that entail like what i i know what a period is but like what happens Literally to your character nothing it was just a text box showed up on my screen you have your period <laughs> yeah and it said you're it specifically said you're not pregnant and i'm like can i be pregnant now well i guess i'm gonna find what, out dicks for days. here is here is what you can do you can uh basically romance anybody in the game and you just like walk up to them and hit the flirt button yeah <sighs> And then it just tallies up a score that says you flirted with this person a lot, That's right? Stupid. But if you do that enough times, you can tell them just to follow you, like any character. You can flirt with them a bunch and then just be like, come with me. And they're like, okay. Um. So, like, let's say you meet someone and you want to rob them, but you're in the middle of town. I would just go up to them, flirt with them a bunch. Oh, my God. And then just wander them out into the middle of nowhere and kill I, them. Okay, I was going to say, I, if you didn't kill them and steal other items, then you are stupid. <laughs> No, I just, yeah, I just seduce people, wander them out into the middle of nowhere, stab them in the okay, back and take all their stuff. Please. Just killing <laughs> Black Widow killer right there. Jeez. Yeah. I guess you're not really a Black Widow if you didn't marry them. No, you're still, I, I you're haven't still got, you like can. a Black Widow. The mod adds getting married, um, but I just haven't done, you have to just flirt with someone enough times and then the, like the option pops up to get married. Um, but you can have sex with prostitutes well, now. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, which what happened when I had sex with a prostitute was you got the screen, the, Yeah. No, the screen went black, and you woke and up and then it faded to a bedroom where both of the characters were just standing naked, and then it faded back to where I was before, and I was wearing fancier clothes and had two hundred less gold. Okay. And I'm like, what? What does that? Just, what does that even mean? It's like, why am I wearing a nicer shirt now? Yeah, it's like, that's, that's what I'm wondering. It's like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Did the prostitute what, give you what? clothes or like? Oh, you went to yeah, the I prostitute guess. means you go to a clothing shop and you pay two hundred or however much to get new clothes, right? That's what it means. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's what a prostitute in Morwood times is. It's just that, a clothing that's what store. it has to be. Was her name J.C. Penny or something? <laughs> oh, yes. Hello, my name is Macy. It's like, oh, okay. Well, no, because my character's a female and they make uh, you be straight. What? So oh, I hate that. When I am a female character, I want to be gay or bisexual. <laughs> Don't make See, me be that, straight. That's the thing where I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, hey, they should have put the option in. I'm like, would this have just been an option for guys so they could be like, of course my character's a lesbian? Yeah, I mean... It, I usually when I play games, I usually don't try to romance because it always it it weirds me out romancing in video games. Like I can be like, uh, oh, this, I mean, like if it's something that's supposed to happen, it's like, oh, this ship needs to happen. But if it's like I have to go out of my way to romance a character, it's like I'll be nice to them. But it's, it's always weird to me to like make someone fall in love with me in a video game. I mean, when I played uh, Mass when Effect? I played Mass Effect, the the goal of yeah, the game was to was get to... to sleep with someone, of course. Yeah, which well, I mean, we succeeded. And that's if, see, if I was playing with another person, yeah, sure. But if it's just me sitting there alone in my apartment trying to romance a computer, it feels weird. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I think you're like when I play female characters, it's like in Dark Souls and stuff like that where it doesn't matter. Like, it could just be a hot lady killing monsters because that's awesome. <laughs> well, in Dark Souls, you're probably more like a scary monster killing other scary mm -hmm. monsters. Yeah, I mean, that's what it ends up. My face just... Well, Bloodborne, my chick is awesome. It's like, you can always see her eyes, but still, like, she's awesome. <laughs> it's like she's all the, I have a big shotgun and a giant axe, and I just run train through that game. But 
dude, I love Bloodborne. But no. Uh, I wish I could play it. I wish I really wish you could too. Like honestly, like if Zach had like PlayStation Plus, like you he should have been able to get it for free and he should be inviting you over. Well, I mean, I think he has it, but it's just we never like really see each other in person. That's so really you know. sad. Oh, um, before this gets depressing, I need to talk about myself. So is that all your stuff? Uh yeah, I mean I could obviously keep talking about myself because I'm egotistical, but you can Yeah, do your thing. and I mean we have again, it's been a week since we've seen each other, so like all the stuff that like I've been doing a lot in the meantime. Quickly, I'll just go through like shotgun approach. Um Finally caught up on the most recent season of BoJack Horseman. It ended like, what's your thought? What? I started watching BoJack it's, Horseman recently. I think it's so really no good. Spoilers. I think it's absolutely amazing it's show. It's very good. What, how far are? How far into it are you? Not okay. very. I mean, like season. I think I finished season one. Yeah, I. I mean, okay. So when I first started watching it, I binged through season one. The day I didn't even realize what was happening, but the day before season two came out, so season two came out, and I binged through all of that the next week, and so just it's one of the only Netflix shows that I've never watched over more than a week. Like I've always binged it in one week, and it's just been really good. It has its like it's amazing because it's a comedy, but it does especially later handle a lot of serious topics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. and like you'll you'll get there. I think. Season three will hit you like a brick is all I have to say. And I will not say anything more. Season one, like there was a part of, there were like a couple parts of like near the end of season one where I was like, well, this is hard Well, it's to definitely, it's definitely they take it in a more lighthearted approach rather than just smashing you over the head with it, which I didn't, like I knew like it was deeper when I watched the first season, but then like you get to the second season and it's like, oh, oh yeah, no, they're actually dealing with this depression. Oh crap. And yes, I, I just, I personally think it's, a really good show and i just caught up on the most recent season and i won't say anything because i want you to enjoy it because it's yeah no i'd be mad it's if a did, really good I'm, show like, will arnett's fantastic like everybody in it's fantastic i like all the characters <laughs> do you know what i love though every side character is Patton oswald pretty much yes like every side like every time there's just some rando character like what, what was his name like seal sealman the navy <laughs> seal or whatever <laughs> Like, you know, it's just Patton Oswald, but so is the news anchor. Okay. Like, they were I both hope Patton this Oswald. isn't a spoil, but season one is where they steal the D off the Hollywood sign, right? Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. And I, I love that. And they just, like, deal with it and just call it Hollywood. <laughs> that's, just what it, yeah. that's just what it's called now is Hollywood. So, yeah, I caught up on Bojack Horseman. Um, so I beat Death Stranding. I think I mentioned that on the last episode that we did. Death Stranding, I'll take a couple minutes to talk about it. Death Stranding, I really like the game. But was the game fun? I don't think so. I do not think Death Stranding was a fun game. Because it's like, I put... Is it kind of one of those things where you have to be the type of person that's going to, like, find fulfillment in playing this type of yes. thing? That is the thing. Because, like, okay, so I played... So Mel got sick, and I was also kind of sick, so we were just pretty much in all weekend and like so i was playing it while she took naps and when she woke up she would just watch me play and so it's she she i think put it the best like it's a good game to watch but like nothing's really like, it's really ambient really just like you get to see the beautiful scenery but like nothing's really going on you're delivering packages like straight up just walking and delivering packages so do i think it was a fun game no it, i still enjoyed it but I don't think there was a time where it's like, oh, man, this part was really fun. I hope to do this again. It was just like if if there was times when it felt like a chore. 
Uh, yeah, I could see what you. I and I like the that. theme. Like it was that makes sense. All about death and a deal with like how every other character dealt with grief. Like whether this character shut off, whether the character faced grief of anger, whatever they like, whatever it was. It was all about how the different characters interacted with grief, and then it also had this overall arcade convoluted plot with death monsters destroying the world. And the plot was weird, but I enjoy convoluted plots. But I, I like Death Stranding, but I don't think it was a fun game. Will I ever play the game? Uh, a game again? Probably not. <laughs> but I, I you're, you're just but done. I do like the experience I have. And yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. So then after that, I actually just went back to playing Horizon Zero Dawn again because I went. Oh, really? So I, Mel started playing it again because she never beat the DLC show. She started playing that. And I sat down. I was like, I honestly, I want to play this. Watching you play this just makes me want to play this game again. And so I was about to restart but, the game. I was like, oh, I'm only one trophy away from getting 100% on the DLC. And I can eventually just have the total 100% over all four parts of it. Okay. I'll just start new game plus. Well, I'll just get that trophy, start new game plus, get that trophy, do ultra hard mode and get that one. Cause it's still my favorite game. Like I still have a lot of fun and it's also great to go through new game plus and just wreck everything. The, um, there's like this corruptor. There's this boss at the beginning that took, I think like five or so minutes to beat where I played it the first time. Cause like, you know, you're weak and stuff. I come in, have all the best weapons already, all the best armor already. And I, Killed it with, well, I caught it on fire and I killed it with one shot. Well, it was a triple shot, so technically it's three. But, like, if one firing my bow once, I destroyed it. And I was like, this feels good. I was like, if this, if the rest of the game is like this, yeah, it might suck. But this feels good right now. Um, and then I caved and got Pokemon as my um, just relaxation when I'm on trips game. And it is way more childish yeah. than all the other Pokemon. And it's, like, definitely like, ah, oh, did I make a mistake? <laughs> but yeah, no, another game. It's like I'll get to enjoy it when I can. But like, yeah, it's just a relaxation game. So that's that's all the stuff I've been into and doing. And we wasted so much time time to talk about our actual show. Cody, I'm gonna go easy on you because I love you. Last week was cute episode. Uh oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, cute episode. Cute. Was it actually last week or was that, that was two weeks, that was because two weeks. we had um Thanksgiving in between. So yeah, cute episode with Diana. You both did horrifying right. worlds, and I actually tried to be cute. You're, yes, that is oh, correct. It was so funny to listen to that episode again because you literally scared the crap out of your dog. He he sounded like he was in pain because he did the high pitched voice. What did I do? You to my did dog? the high pitched voice, and oh, Bobby was like, yeah. Literally, I felt so bad for all of them, but I was laughing so hard at the point. Your voice is so grating. Like, how do you do just such an awful voice? Yeah, that was the goal. That, that's yeah. what I was going it, for. You, you so succeeded. Like, you literally made your dog cry. That was so bad. But, okay, so this week, Cody, this was a fun one. It was redo a previous topic, which I do cut it out yes. of every episode when we do reroll because we have done it like four times, oh, three times now. But redo a previous topic. Cody, I you can tell me when we get started and I'll tell you mine. But yeah, so hopefully we didn't pick the same thing. I highly doubt we did. Oh, yeah. I need my yep. dice roller. I only have Star Wars dice sitting oh, next to me right cool. now. Like Star Wars themed dice or like dice specifically for a Star Wars game? Dice specifically oh, for a okay, Star Wars game. That's less cool. Well, I guess that's more cool. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Okay. Pretty Ooh, cool. I rolled high again. Yay. 
I rolled a five. I rolled a 16. Well, to be honest, so I dropped the points. dice. I didn't look at it the first time, so I just re-rolled it. So yeah, I rolled a 16. I guess I go first, as always. And I say that I'm, I'm going to end up going last for the next, like, four weeks. <laughs> so when I... Well, have fun. So when I first started writing this world, I went in with every intention to do world you go to after you die. And then as I wrote that, I'm like, I don't think I can actually fulfill this well. And I think I'm just going to have to turn it towards another one. So I did world hidden in another world, leaning on towards more of a horror side this time. And okay. so, so I, I'm, I'm excited about this one, but this one is very long. It's very narrative. And I hope you enjoy it because I put a lot of work into it. Well, I am looking forward to it. Okay. This first part comes from Hunter Tarlow, Lost in Nature. I used to think this place was nothing special. That all the stories surrounding it were myths and rumors parents told their kids to keep them out of some ill-perceived danger. Most people avoided it, even the state. The roads all went around it, furthering the mist. But despite all the prestige around this place, I never thought I would end up here. Hollow Root Forest is located in southeast Ohio. It is supposed to stretch about 26 square miles. From the outside, it is seemingly innocent, temperate, deciduous forest. The Muskingum River flows through Hollow Root and reportedly breaks off into streams and other bodies of water. Ohio is always called out for being flat, but as I found out, Hollow Root is one of the more hilly areas. So, how did I end up here? If I knew I was going to get stuck, I would have never ventured in. I was traveling back up north from a work conference. It was late, but everything was going fine. Just another uneventful drive through the nothingness in southeast Ohio. As if hearing my board size, my engine made a loud pop, and my car decelerated until I was finally at a dead stop. I called the tow truck, but they said it would take them 45 minutes to get out to where I was. I was in the middle of nowhere, near a small bridge that crossed over the Muskie, right on the edge of Hollow Root. 45 minutes passed and time kept ticking away at a slug's crawl, so I decided to just take a peek, see why everyone was so afraid of Hollow Root. I edged down a hill to the river and began to cross. That's when I saw something move. It was big and black, didn't seem to have any specific form, but it scared the bejeebus out of me, so I decided to turn back and run to my car. I think I tripped or something, but I fell and everything went white as I slammed my head against a rock. That's when I woke up here, on the shore of the river, somewhere inside of Hollow Root. My head was throbbing, and I had a decent-sized cut on my forehead. My phone was completely dead due to all the water, so there was no calling myself out of this one. I wasn't a survival expert, but I was smart enough so my first thought was to get to a high point and see where I was. I climbed up a nearby cliff, but that wasn't high enough to get my bearings. So I scrambled up a tree. Wasn't as nimble as I used to be, but I finally made it up. I was in deep. All I could see for miles was forest. I didn't recognize any of it and couldn't spot any landmarks through the thick line of trees. Using the sun's position and the position of the shadows as a basic sundial, I was able to check that against my watch and figure out the general direction of north, east, south, and west. The muskie couldn't have taken me too far from the bridge, so I headed north. Strewn about the forest were old abandoned objects that seemed like they were from civilizations lost. I saw abandoned cars, and not just modern ones. I think one that I passed was a Model T. There were derelict playgrounds, old dead camping sites, and as I w walked along the Muskingum, I saw something I wasn't expecting. An abandoned ship that 
even as it was breaking down into rust, had life growing on it. But I was confused. I thought the ghost ship was further west towards Cincinnati, not in Holyrood. But maybe there was another. No one really explored Holyrood, and thus there was never a report on what was inside. I had walked for hours, and yet I still wasn't back at my car or the bridge. Was Holyrood really this big? It didn't feel like I was walking in circles, just that I was walking on some long, continuous path. I climbed down ravines, across streams, up small cliffs, around hills, and anything the landscape could throw at me, but it just kept going. 4pm hit, and I was no closer to my goal, so this must be why people warned against entering Hollowroot. There was no escape. To make it worse, my stomach started growling uncontrollably. It was time to eat. Luckily, I wasn't completely stupid. I gathered a few tools along the way and found a campsite nearby. It was time to do something I'd never done before. Hunt. Using a makeshift rusted bow that I had found along the way, I climbed up a tree and stalked an unsuspecting rabbit. I must be better than I thought because I hit it in the leg first shot. As I climbed down to get my dinner, I felt the air change. A chill ran down my body with every step. As I approached the body, it was barely alive and crying out in pain. My heart retched. Was my hunger worth taking the life of another? That's when the atmosphere changed. I felt extremely cold and the grass around me faded in color until it was tangled until it was a tangled black mess. Thinking I was going crazy, I knelt beside the rabbit. I had to put it out of its misery. It didn't have to suffer for me. The ground became soft and almost seemed like it was bleeding with the rabbit. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw skeletal hands reach out of the pooling blood. I felt them slowly begin to grip my shoes and pants. It was like the forest was trying to claim me. I said a quick prayer and put the rabbit out of its misery. It was time to move before it was too late. The rabbit died, and like it was all a part of my hungered mind, the grass returned to, the, to green, and the pulling blood was gone. When I made it back to my campsite, I cooked the rabbit, but not before thanking the forest for sparing my life. And that is my first part. So, Jordan, what? look, I, I don't mean to be this guy... What? But I feel like this world is a yellow card. I mean, if you just want to write stories, we can just write stories. Okay, don't but... don't pull the same thing I did. Okay, so literally, like I did build a world in here. It's a forest inside of Southeast Ohio. Um, the Muskingum River goes through it, and yeah, points north and south. There are bridges across the Muskingum. Sorry, Muskingum across the bridge. So the forest itself is like just a dense. This temperate deciduous forest, lots of trees. You'll see, I'll explain more about the types of trees and animals in it. And as you keep going, it's just a sprawling land. Like you reach no end and I'll get to that more. But yeah, there was world building in there. But yeah, I did want, like you gave me a week and a half to do this world. I wanted to do something special with it. Well, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's fun Good. to listen to. Mine is Also, I said in Ohio because I wanted to do something like because losing their adventure zone they did their stuff in um what west virginia yeah yeah and so i wanted to do something in my home state yeah that makes sense i mean that's why i did uh bolivia the way that I. yeah did. yeah yeah it's just like writing a love story to your own state yeah basically you are not wrong yeah it's, it's really fun honestly <laughs> all right. um all right i need to close a tab okay so 
uh, we did redo a world, and I decided, thinking back on it, the world that I had kind of uh, phoned in the hardest, or had maybe just ignored the prompt on the hardest, was uh, science and magic. Okay. So I am. Wait, you're doing science doing... and magic again? Yeah. Yay! Because one of my favorite topics ever, as you know. So you know, I say. Well, Cody, anyways, we'll Cody, get to it. Cody, last time you did science and magic, the only science you had in there was technomancers. I hope that you did a better job this time. I'm worried that I didn't. Oh, no. I'm sorry for even saying that. You did fine. Go. Um. So uh, the only caveat to my world aside from that is the sections are out of order. So this is the section that I'm calling uh, society history, right? So this is back in time this is the begin this is like a historical story the scene is going to open in a dark lab think of this place as the cliche traditional lonely wizard's tower it is cold and stone it is a lonely place inside this there is one old ugly man toiling away at a table now aside from the normal wizard accoutrements that you would expect to see books and magical items there are a few oddities left uh, left around. The biggest one is a large metal forge that see or a large a large forge set up for metal in a corner. Aside from that, there are various half-formed metallic puppets littering the area. You can see a lonely man toiling away and working at a large metallic creature sitting on a bench. This is the end of a letter titled. For Magical Review, The Process of Galvanized Life. I know I am close. I can taste it. I have a soul, no large thing. Just one soul. That's all. The essence of life trapped in an apparatus. I have carved enough animals into their base components. Sorry, to learn how with magic to build motion into metal. I have an automaton now that is... Metallic muscles that can slide and pull in tents just like organic life. Now that I had a body and a soul, only one thing remained. A mind! A mind I found to be easier than I expected. For see, once I had made metallic muscles and tendons, all I needed was nerves. That and just many of them. After that was completed, I had a soul, a body, and a mind that would never age and never grow tired. I had created eternal life. Once the final assembly was... As the final assembly was became, was nearing completion, I could feel the life growing into the metal as I formed it with hammer and spells. It was like it wanted to be completed. Now just a name. I will call this new thing Galvanized Life. And my work done, I slump into my throne in my cold tower. The forge has gone out. The only heat radiates from the galvanized life I have created. It runs on warmth, you see. I look down and see the truthful visage, the truthfully fearful visage of my body. I am emaciated, missing three fingers crushed and burned while forging. I cannot remember my last meal or water or sleep. I have been a conduit of magic, and galvanized life is my reward. Fellow wizards, please try to use the information and confirm my results. 
This was a letter sent by a wizard who had made a great discovery. All throughout the land, in individual wizarding towers, this letter was received by magic. And all throughout the land, fires of forges began to burn in all of the greatest wizard towers. Uh Galvanized life was being created all over. That is the end of section one. Okay, so... Like, right off the bat, my first thought was, this is just Frankenstein meets Alphonse Elric. Um, yeah, kind of. It, it is not dissimilar from that. I mean, I'm sorry for always, like, pigeonholing your worlds into a specific idea that I have. But, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, and I mean, it's not an inaccurate, like, Frankenstein is obviously a similar thing. Okay. There's... Not as much of, like, the themes that come out in Full Metal Alchemist, well, yeah, though. That's... But Frankenstein, yes. Um, so, this is, so just be thinking about this question, because this is probably a better question for the end of the episode. But what made you think to go down this route as opposed to the route that you went down last time, if you remember what route you went down last time? Well, last time, I just liked the idea of there being technological wizards, um, and that was just something that I then put into my setting, but that really wasn't what it ended up being about. It ended up being about, like, um, like the, the nature of power and oppression. Yeah. Um, in this case, what I liked the idea of is that wizards create a type of life that doesn't use magic and uses technology, but then those two things don't understand each other. Um, So that was kind of what initially kind of made me think about this was what if wizards created living robots, like, you know, like automatons that are magical, they don't function mechanically, but then those automatons went on to create other robots and they just could never understand each other. Cause it's like the wizards are like, well, we don't even know what technology is. And, and my relationship like, with God know. is weird. What is this? You are your <laughs> own God type of thing happening right before my eyes. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear the rest of it. I just, I was wondering because like, there's so many worlds to choose from. It's like I was like, part of it was like, wonders like why you pick this one specifically. My reasoning for doing the way I did is just because. Well, again, I wanted to do something with like what happens after you die. So ending up in the forest was going to be like what happens if you die. But I really couldn't figure out how to do that with setting it specifically in Ohio and that's why it's just like world within a world fine <laughs> but anyways I'm gonna go on to my second part um this comes from Jacqueline Fisher damned to the dirt so even after being warned again and again to stay far away from Hollow Root Forest I guess I wasn't careful enough so I find myself trapped here I was driving home one night. It was raining hard, so I decided to take a shortcut along Hollerou and then cross the Muskingum to get home quicker. But of course, some dickbag trucker cut into my lane, probably fell asleep at the wheel, so I cut away quick. I ended up hydroplaning and was thrown off the road, through some non-existent barrier into the forbidden forest, have you. The trucker, that inconsiderate dickhead, kept driving. If only we traded places and he got stuck here and not me. When I awoke, I was of course still in my total car. My head was cut and bleeding. I struggled to get out of the car as the wildlife had already seemed to start growing around it. I grabbed what supplies I needed, a few spare energy bars, my running gear, a lighter, and of course my cell phone. But when I turned to climb back up the road and call for help, the hill up was nowhere to be seen. It was like I somehow crashed into the middle of the forest. 
There was nothing around but oak trees and some brush. That was two days ago. I have been wandering here ever since, looking for a way out. The forest seems innocent and normal, but it is much darker than that. Look closely enough, you will see the tree bark is darker, and their branches are much more twisted than normal. I tried to make it back to my car for supplies, but when I got there, my car was overgrown with the rest of the forest, as if the forest claimed what was mine. The trees range from your usual oak or maple, birch, beech, etc. Everything you would find in a normal forest. But it was like this forest had claimed bits of lost civilizations. It had overgrown lost items. I saw a whole bike protruding from the base of a tree. I kept walking for fear that I would end up like the other items. I noticed when traveling that the animals were just like any others you would find around Ohio. Deer and other woodland animals. Many birds and insects throughout the rest of the place. But when I listened closely, I noticed something that deeply disturbed me. The bird chirps and the other forest sounds sounded less like animal noises and more like laughing, like jeering. It was as if they were saying, You'll never escape. You're lost forever. You're lost. You're lost. You're lost. You're lost. Maybe I was just going crazy. My head was still throbbing from the accident as I had no time to treat the wound. I eventually found some leaves and other berries around that those survival shows I watched taught me to look out for, but I was so hungry and tired. No matter how far I walked, it seemed like there was no way out. I thought I had stumbled across some hope when I was trekking down a ravine and spotted two men in the distance. It had been days since I had heard a human voice, but these men seemed angry with each other as they were yelling and barking arguments back and forth. Finally, things escalated enough until one of them pushed the other down and struck him across the head with a rock. I saw blood begin to pull around the man, and then the air got cold. The grass around them turned gray-black, and I saw hands begin to reach out of the black nothingness. I turned to run, but I saw something that froze me cold in my tracks. Two large, wolf-like creatures, if you could even begin to describe them as wolf-like. They looked like they were torn apart and put back together by something. They had more than just four limbs, and all of this was held together by some thick black goo. Their scraggly pelts were barely hanging on to the black goo and their jaws hung loose from their canine heads. As they breathed out, I could see their breath against the air, even though it was not that cold out. You could see their pale white bones protruding out of the black goo as they began to move forward towards where the two men were. They stalked for a few seconds as if waiting for a command and then lurched forward, rushing towards the surviving man. They viciously attacked him and dragged him down into the black, twisted grass. There, they disappeared and left no trace that the incident with the two men even happened. Was this the forest way of punishing the wicked? Three more days passed since I saw the black wolves attack, and I was getting hungrier and more desperate to leave. What I saw shook me to my core. I was scared to even move forward. Would those black wolves claim me next? But despite my fear, again I found some hope. But despite my fear, again I found some hope. One night, I saw a man in a clearing. He had set up some sort of camp using the tools that were strewn across the forest. If only I had thought of that. I was too focused on trying to get out. He had built a shelter and had a fire going and what seemed like fresh cooked deer in front of him. I had been struggling to survive off scraps I found, and he seemed to be living peacefully here. Not a care in the world. Why did I struggle and he survived. Why did he get to live peacefully while I felt I was marked for death? 
This filled me with rage and my hunger drove me towards desperate violence. If I acted, I would have his tools and his food and I could nourish myself to survive. With his camp, I would one day see the outside of this forest. So I acted on that bitter hatred. I found a large rock and snuck into his camp. I stood behind him as he cheerily hummed and ate his food. Is this getting too dark for you, Cody? No. I okay. I, sorry, because I saw you do a face. I'm like, I think I did too dark for once. No, no, definitely okay. not. I stood there still wondering if I would regret my decision. And then I brought the rock down on him again and again until he stopped moving. I then scrambled over to the fire and began hungrily downing the rest of his food. I was crazed by my hunger and what this forest had done to me. That's when I noticed the ground under me had turned black. The air had gone cold and the hands were reaching for me, pulling me down into the ground. I saw them circling the camp, more of those disgusting black wolves. Their bodies seemed to be barely held together by that black goo. Their white bones seemed fragile. The goo was dripping off their skulls and onto the ground. Their eye sockets were hollow and white. They looked like they were falling apart. If I could just hit them, they seemed like they would break apart like cartoon skeletons. But when I threw the rock, it only scattered the black goo for a second as they lunged at me, dragging me down into the ground. I remain here within the forest, looking out from the black dirt. This is my punishment for wandering into this hollow, dead forest. This is my punishment for taking another life. I now watch on from under the soil, waiting for someone else to take from the forest as I did. If that happens, I will be like the others. I will reach out from the ground and pull the sinful down to live in the dirt with me. This is the fate of the damned, to live in the soil and hunt for others like us. Hollowroot Forest is our eternal curse. And that is the end of my first part. So what's... What's what what happens in the rest of your story now? <laughs> Sorry, guys, we had to take a quick vo- break. As you could probably tell by the end of that, my voice was like dying. So I had to get, go get some water um, before the break. Cody asked, so how is the rest of my story going to end or what is the rest of my story going to be? Um, you'll see. I still have to talk about the history of the place, of course. But um, yeah, no. So really quick for him, Fauna's like, it's Ohio. We got um just woodland creatures rabbits deer like you know normal color like birds anything you would find in a temperate deciduous forest i didn't feel like i should sit there and have to talk about what a temperate deciduous forest holds um other than that the thing is those black wolves which i will explain what they are in the next part but like the other creatures in the forest are these like Barely, well, they're not really wolves. They're like these just monstrosities made up of bones and um, this black goo and fur. So we'll see what happens later. And normal trees. Yeah, I didn't want, like I said, I didn't want to have to sit there and tell you what a temperate deciduous forest is. It's Ohio. You should be able to figure it out. <laughs> I get you. Uh, okay. You ready for my section yes. two? Friends, I require assistance. Y- you see my tower is in a pit. Now, normally this would not really be any worry. I would simply burn a feather and give my tower the power of flight. But my tower is in a pit full of these, well, they're not galvanized life, but they are metal beings, and I cannot kill them. I've tried fire and ice and knives and rocks, lava. (laughs) I tried to suffocate one of them. I tried drowning. I tried increasing gravity. 
I tried dismembering them. Nothing's really seeming to work. At this point, that's all I've tried. I think next up is going to be poison. Oh, no. Or maybe some kind of starvation. But anyways, they're like these giant mechanical ants. <laughs> but. Oh, also, side note, while I'm writing, the town near me was also totally swallowed in the cave-in. So just make a note of that. I will stay here and observe, so please, colleagues, if any of you have any information on similar occurrences, I would like to share. Oh, or please share. It is a shame about the town. I now have to cook my own food, which is way beneath me. Fortunately, I had a spare pocket tower that I could use, so for my dear colleagues, you can still reach me there. One month later. <laughs> hmm. Well, my emergency pocket tower is now floating above something that makes no sense. It's a little bit of a hassle to have to constantly make my tower fly because now below me, the earth is being fed into some kind of fiery machines that chew and melt and burn and consume everything and turn them into these shiny blocks. It's madness. It's like a city built just to consume, but it is organized. The metallic creatures that I saw before are well harmonized and regimented and efficient doing whatever work it is that they're doing watching them is kind of mesmerizing and beautiful oh by the way the valley has been completely leveled and turned into just like a gleaming purified rock form all the people are dead by the way i've been forced to summon my own food Ugh, such a hassle this is a letter from mage of the valley maggie okay so when the I am calling them Gal when galvanized life was first created, it vanished very quickly. So these creatures were created by by uh, wizards all over the world in their towers where they hide away and work on science, well, not science, but magic, right? But they're analytical about it. So when that first wizard made his first galvanized life, he sent his process out to all the other wizards for peer review. And so they all then uh, yeah, copy and then they, yeah, because that's what happens when works. you send out your stuff is everybody's just gonna copy it. Yeah, right. Which was the intent he wanted to see if these things, if you know, the result was unique or what. So they made tons of these things, and then all at once they vanished, which seemed to be fine. Years went by, and then things started to change. The first thing was that new caves started to form, so just new openings in the earth started to kind of. Pop up here and there. Didn't seem like a big deal. The galvanized life was still never seen. But then the next thing that started to happen was sinkholes, which is what Maggie of the Valley was describing. So basically, all of a sudden, this town just fell into the earth. And what was inside of it was a colony of these similar in appearance, but different metallic ants. As time went by, this became the definition of the landscape. Seemingly from the inside out, the world began to consume itself. All across um, the world, like sores, these rifts would open up and various types of uh, automatons would be there working, doing something. What? Sorry, you could finish saying something. Um, So you would say they killed their own planet trying to make it better. Uh, no, they didn't, they weren't, the wizards were not remotely trying to make anything better. It was purely like, I could do this, then I did, and then it vanished. Five years later, the world started eating so itself. So they killed the world using technology. 
I'm just trying to make you do a world that is basically what I always do. No, no, like, it's entirely like an accident. It's like the wizards dropped a match on a pile of sticks and then, you know, like, it took a minute for the wind to blow and start burning everything down. It's basically what happened. They ended the world and they just haven't caught up to the fact yet. (laughs) But it wasn't with any intent. They just accidentally did it. But still, the world is ending. So you copied me. Yeah, this... (laughs) I'll say this: there's not like a there's there's not a, a, a uh, like an environmental yeah, message to this. Not that I don't think that's an important issue. It's just like they weren't like hunting for oil or something, then accidentally ended the world. It was just like <laughs> they they made something bad. Oops, <laughs> they didn't realize how bad. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So not only did the world start to swallow itself up, these. They, the wizards call them cities, but that's not fully accurate. These centers for processing earth started to spring up as well. That's what she was describing as these ants working in like some kind of controlled chaos. Um, seemingly they're refining materials and carrying them off, but no one really knows why or to what ends. And this again is kind of like the discrepancy in understanding, like the wizards looking at this have no idea what like factory automation would look look like but what they're looking at is just big factories like big mining factories and like smelteries on a massive scale but that's just what these automatons are making right now uh but at this time um like when the world started to eat itself no one has seen a true galvanized life since they were first created and that is the end of section two so what ends are you guys going for to the max but like what are you trying to achieve? The max. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to achieve everything. We are just going for the best possible. The best possible what? The the best possible. Yeah, Yeah, you get it. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wait, what's happening here? I don't like this. Um, (laughs) This is my society history. It comes from River Run Casey. Cursed by curiosity. With so many rumors and legends spread far and wide about Halroot Forest, it was hard not to be curious about the place. It is a mysterious forest, but has a long and convoluted history. Most known quote-unquote facts about Halroot come from word-of-mouth stories and native folklore. But compiling all of this, I was indeed able to find one common story about this place. True or not, this is what the legend says about Hollow Root Forest. Long before America was colonized, long before the ships crossed the ocean, long, long ago was a very small tribe of people who settled their homes deep in an area that is now known as Southern Ohio. They settled near what would become the Muskingum River. This area was perfect because of the clean incoming water, along with the deep forest that surrounded them. The forest provided animals and shelter for them. Many stories will give these people different names, but I will call them the Riverlights. They made their homes and they cared deeply for each other and the land. They were deeply spiritual and worshipped the spirits of the world around them, thanking the spirits for every little thing. If an animal was slain, then they would pray for the animal's life and not let any part of it go to waste. If someone was to waste a life, then they would be killed in place of that life and buried to fertilize the land, bringing more life in its place. Wait, 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 wait. That just stopped seeming so cool. 
I think I went too dark with this one. Did I go too dark with this one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, you said it was supposed to be like a horror yeah, yeah, thing. It's, that fits. it's just funny. It's like, it was such a nice place. And if you wasted something, you well, were yeah, used you as can, fertilizer. If you take a life and you don't do anything with that life, then you have to put your life in place of that to help promote more life. Yeah, that's freaking brutal, man. Just, just saying. Things were brutal. <laughs> <laughs> um... If one of the tribesmen were to harm another, then again, their life would be forfeit and they would be sacrificed to the land. These were some of the basic laws among many others as I understand them from the stories. Despite these two seemingly harsh laws, the Riverlight tribe was peaceful and lived lives that benefited each other. That was until an outside tribe came in and tried to claim the land as their own. The Riverlights did not like this and in turn tried to drive the intruders from their land. Using scare tactics, they dressed themselves as monsters to portray the land as cursed or evil. But this did not work. The invaders fought back and slayed the monsters they saw in the forest. Soon, the invading tribe took the surrounding land and drove the riverlights further into their forest, shrinking their vibrant community. The invaders did not respect the land as the riverlights did, killed any animal they could, could, defiled the body, and hung them around their camps as a symbol of their brutality. They fought with each other, killing one another over the smallest slights. But most importantly, they oppressed the Riverlights, threatening to enslave them or kill them should they leave their ever-shrinking settlements. The Riverlights cried out to the gods and spirits, but with no response. They wanted a solution. They wanted some sort of divine intervention, but their cries were not heard. So disillusioned and accepting their own extinction, they approached the one who lived in the shadows. He went by many names. The Trickster, the Creature of Judgment, the Revenge, the Destroyer, the Darkness, the Shadow. But our society knows him better as Satan, or more commonly, the Devil. They asked him for help. Please protect our land. Give it life so we can drive out these invaders. If anyone does not treat our land as we do, punish them. And Satan obliged. He gave the land a life of its own, and anyone who did not respect the land, as the Riverlights did, were punished, dragged down into the ground, and forced to watch the world above them. If anyone were to break the rules, those who had been punished would reach from the ground and drag the sinner down with them. The invaders eventually were either taken by the forest or driven off. But of course, getting what they wanted, the Riverlights turned their backs on the destroyer and praised their old spirits for the land. Seeing their greed and abandonment, Satan cursed the Riverlights as well. They were disfigured and deformed into beasts. These beasts now lurk within the shadows of their forest and drive off any intruders. The Riverlight, the Riverlight beasts will be there for the rest of eternity to haunt anyone who were to break the laws of the land. The forest had been given its own life and began to live and feel as a living being. Like a child, it learned from the world around it. The Riverlights before they had been cursed, taught the forest to be greedy. It became a collector of sorts. Anything that intrigued it, it took inside of it. Those items would be grown into the forest never to leave. This spread to even the human soul. Once you enter the forest, you can never escape. You can walk and walk and walk or run or jump or sprint, but no matter how far you travel, you will always be trapped inside the hollow, empty forest. It all sounds far-fetched, but these are the origins of Hollowroot Forest. We have never seen anyone exit the area known as Hollowroot, and if they have, they aren't talking. And that's the end of my third part.
I it like pretty much part. comes out to don't mess with Satan. Part. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was going to like make fun of you. I was like, Jordan, I don't know how God feels about people in this world. Now I feel like I know. <laughs> well, Jordan, I sure would like to continue, but I've, I've my mouse is. Like, I can't find my, my mouse. The mouse or the cursor? Oh, okay, I was going to say, if you just lost your mouse, that would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> okay, hang, hang on one okay, second, sorry. Yeah, no, but I, honestly, I really liked writing the origin story, but it was like, one thing was like, I usually write an environmentalist, God hates you world, I don't necessarily want to do it, so it kind of had an environmental thing where it's like, oh yeah, these people like their land and like, wanted to treat their land with respect, but that was of the times, long, long ago. And then it turned out, like, don't mess with the devil. So it wasn't God hates you. It's the devil doesn't like anybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's that the devil still sucks. It's like, no matter what, the devil sucks. All right, here we go. Section three, A Night of Horrors. Night of Horrors? Haven is the last village that can support life. Humanity (laughs) tries to rebuild on a hard rock that the autos have never managed to dig through. In Haven, the years slip by and people grow, fall in love have children, live and die. It's a hard life on Haven Rock, but it is thriving. Sorry. It's a hard knock. Thing just popped up on my computer. Yeah, you get it. Children play in the streets and communities grow and learn how to make food and technology in the harsh environment. Until the night of horrors. A young girl was out in the street chasing cats when she sees a puddle of reflected moonlight shift and rear up high on a rock, uh, high up on a craggy rock above the city. It's easily 30 feet tall with massive shining metal arms and mandibles like a giant metallic beetle. An auto watches the town of Haven. The little girl screams and points. Adults rush into the street and look in horror as the auto sits totally still like a sentinel statue. The alarm is raised and people try to flee Haven Rock, but it is no longer safe, and it is far too late. No sooner is the alarm sounded than screams come from all sides of Haven Rock. Haven Rock. Fierce, giant, hybrid killer animals crash, in, crash into the city and kill everything in sight, all with the vague goal of reaching the auto high up in the rocks. The creatures are like raptors mixed with tigers mixed with bears. Each creature is a unique killing machine, and the only goal is to kill the auto and anything else in its path. High above, the auto rolls into a smooth metallic ball and falls down into Haven Rock. By the time the fighting is over, the town of Haven is demolished. After it became apparent what was happening, and that the these, um, what's it called? The autos were just, like, destroying the whole planet to the point where it was going to become not only inhabitable for humans, but also the wizards that lived there as well. Um, The wizards started to fight back. So almost no villages remain at this point, but they weren't all destroyed by swallowed up land. Most people at this point are now killed in the crossfire. So what happens is the wizards have discovered that the best they themselves are not capable really of fighting the autos in the scale that they need to. So the kind of wizardry that develops at this time and what becomes the most valuable is creating nightmarish chimeras. So 
it's an it's an iterative process. You know, one wizard finds out that, hey, a giant tiger is really good at killing these little ants. Then the ants get bigger and another wizard finds out, well, if you take that giant tiger and mix it with a bear, you get a giant tiger bear and those are more robust and better able to fight. And this goes on for years, not unlike how people now are trying to create hotter and hotter hot peppers, you know, like they just keep making new hybrids and new strains. (laughs) So Ryan, because Ryan does the pepper thing. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that. It's just it's it's constant escalation. As the autos get more and more powerful and larger, so too do the creatures that the wizards have to create to kill them. All the while, these creatures are vicious killing machines. You know, they're they're still animals, so they're like, well, we should bring dinosaurs back now and cross them with panthers. And you end up with these horrible panther raptors <laughs> just running amok trying to kill the autos, which they're really good at, but they also just kill people, Jeez. you know. That's awesome. So the Night of Horrors was when the last of humanity was basically snuffed out in a crossfire between horrible nightmare creatures that wizards had created in an attempt to save the world and the auto that was going to be there to just rip up all the land anyways. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, however, the uh, the race that's being run here to see who can create the more deadly and the more unkillable creature, the wizards are not winning at this point. Like it's it's a it's a growing conflict and it's one that is not like going yep, well. I see that. That is the end of section three. I want to ask. This might be a space just so we don't. But you're going to explain what the autos are doing, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay, because this just that was kind of like left. I'm like, are they like what? Like, it, does it matter what they're doing, or is that just supposed to be like- right now? What they are doing is every inch of earth that they can find, they are feeding into a plant and refining into metal. Okay, sure. And that's your science. The chimeras are your effed up monsters. <laughs> it's definitely because of the use of chimeras. I want to just continue with the Full Metal Alchemist comment. Uh, yeah, but there's never like a moment where the wizards are like, "Oh shoot, we screwed up and killed humanity." Like my idea <laughs> here is that the wizards are so aloof that they're not people anymore. You know what I mean? It's like all of humanity dies, and the wizards are like. Shh, shh. Shoot. Well, let's get going. Cook my own food now. <laughs> like, guess we got to figure out a way to solve, kill off the chimeras now. So, yeah, make, right. It's make like, another thing. That'll yeah, go well. Like, oh, we got to kill all these chimeras. Uh, oh, what crap. if we made? We have a, we have a chimera problem. Killers. We have to kill the chimeras. Next, they make something else. Okay, we have this problem. We have to kill off this. Okay, this is my last part, and hopefully, my voice can survive. Um, this is my society current, comes from Larsa Combs, silently watching. I ran away a few months back. I don't need to tell you why. All you need to know is that I had to get out of there. You know, this place is dark at times, scary at others, but it is much safer there than where I came from. When I left, I packed many supplies and enough food to last me till I got to a safe destination. Of course, that never happened as I ended up here, in the infamous Howl Root Forest. But unfortunately for me, those animals that housed me previously had been the survivalist type, so I knew how to survive in the woods. As a reader of River Run Casey's book, Hauntings in Ohio, I knew that Hollow Root was a very special place. A very cursed place. Once you enter, you cannot escape. But that also means that no one would be able to follow me here, a fact that I take solace in. I raided a few old dead campsites, adding to my tools, and then took to the trees, creating a kind of home for myself up there using cloth, 
wood, and cables. It was stupid to stay low on the ground. God only knows what monsters both human and animal live down there. From the hauntings book, I picked up a few things. In order to take from the forest, you need to either give back or pay tribute to what was taken. That's how I hunted. After seeing a man devoured by the ground for eating a deer, I knew paying tribute was a necessity in order to stay out of trouble. The devoured man was not the only person I ran into. I stayed silently in the trees to never draw attention to myself so that I could watch from above. After the devoured man, I saw a man who made a camp for himself. He quickly learned the ways of the forest and was able to make life in Hallroot like me. Not too long after, I saw two men arguing. They pushed and shoved until one died. That's when I saw the beasts of the forest for the first time. They aided in dragging the two other, uh, sorry, they aided in dragging the two under the soil. I was not the only one watching the two men from afar. There was also a starving woman with dull red hair. I tried to help her by leaving tools or small snacks that I could spare, but she never saw them as she was too hell-bent on trying to find a way out. Because of that, the forest continued to change around her, guiding her deeper and deeper into nothingness. The first rule of living here is that you need to give up all hope that there is some sort of escape. There is none. Halroot is the permanent end. Unfortunately, she gave into despair when stumbling upon the man who had built a camp for himself. She selfishly killed him, and in turn, the forest beast dragged her into the soil. I learned from those people I stumbled across. I learned to stay hidden, to give back to the forest, and to never give into the dark. Since those five, I have seen plenty more people stumble into the forest. Some figure it out, give in and learn to live. Others fail and either attack those who found peace or give up, give up and return to the soil. It is possible to last in this forest. It is rare, but I have seen people live together and work together. Sometimes it doesn't last as the forest splits them up. As River Run said, the forest is greedy. It wants everything to itself. I tried my hardest to stay out of sight so I can live out the rest of my days in peace. I know when I finally pass, I will finally, finally leave this forest and reach the afterlife. So in the meantime, I guide when needed, I help when needed, but I try my hardest to stay out of sight. Others who stumble in must think I'm some kind of forest spirit, but I do my best to make the rules of the forest very clear. You are to give tribute to its greed or you are to die. It is possible to live in this forest for a long time. You see, I've been here for a few years now. But if you aren't careful, you will simply return to the soil. It is my goal to only return when it is my time to die. And hopefully that won't be for a while. And that's the end of my story. Uh, I like that. I like that idea of kind of like making the best of being like once you're trapped someplace, it's yeah. like, well, well, here I am. And okay. So the thing is like, like kind of deal with this now, you know? So the thing is we have this like society current, but the way I set this up and the way I want it to be is that like, there is no true society that can be in built in here because of the way it exists. And so, yeah, there are people who will survive in and you can live in the forest, but it is going to be spread out for eternity. So you just have to, like you said, make the best with it or return to the soil. Yeah. So I like what I did. I realized after reading it, it was, it was a little dark. It was a little hefty, but I really, really enjoyed building this world. I mean, it was dark, but it wasn't, I don't, I wouldn't say that it was like overly so. Like yeah. it didn't feel extraneous at all, yeah. you know? Yeah. It w 
It wasn't like a, our gritty reboot worlds, which were purposely supposed to be like over the top gritty. Yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. Was, Those were like clown shoesy. Yeah, I honestly, this is another one where I would really like to write a like actual story in because yeah, I, yeah. I I really like just the idea of it. But anyway, I get you. But I feel like with the way it's written, there's like no happy end other than the one of Larsa Combs at the end of you just live. You just figure it out and just have to live. Right, yeah. It's just like make the best of what you could what yeah, what's in front like, of you. Yeah. I live here now. Yeah. <laughs> this forest is my home. But yeah. That's me. I'm excited for your end. Because this is an interesting one. Uh it's weird. Uh, my end is kind of like a beginning of the story. Um, you know, like how sometimes I end my world if with you, like I mean that's kind this is the of what we're supposed to do almost. Right. Because this is supposed to be like an open-ended thing for stories and like world building. So well yeah, for stories and campaigns or whatever. So yeah, that's kind of the right idea. Anyhow. Um okay. I talked too much. <laughs> I have found the answer. Oh no, you haven't. These automatons are spreading faster than we can possibly contain them. We create beasts to kill them, and they grow stronger. We raise mountains to contain them, and they just climb over. They dig underneath, and they just go straight through. <laughs> what can we do? Years have gone by since I made the first gal- galvanized life, and now I'm pretty sure I've ended all life. But, but, that's okay. I found the secret. I must kill the soul in the apparatus that I originally created with a spike of the purest ice. Kill the souls and all the bodies of the autos will die. I must find the galvanized life and end it. I must rally the wizards and we shall destroy them. And then we'll clean up the mess with having ended all life on the planet. But... (laughs) priorities (laughs) kill the autos then we can worry about the other stuff at this point the wizards have come to the conclusion that they have to go and find the source of the autos um so the autos are not the galvanized life that they originally created they are something else in reality what the autos are, are are just robots the the galvanized life at some point learned to create like okay machines and the um you know the people on the surface of the planet had no way to understand those but all the autos are just they're just machines they're automatons you know so they don't have any life they're not sentient they just carry out the orders of the original galvanized life that was created by the wizards you know however many years ago um what actually happened to the galvanized life was heat is what keeps them alive and makes them function. So they immediately dug down towards the core of the planet where it was the warmest. Okay. And that is where they have lived ever since. Um, since then, they just immediately started, you know, building like their creators did. You know, they wanted to stretch their muscles and try to make stuff. So they did. They built and built and built. And eventually hit the point where they needed to have other things help them build. That's when they began creating the autos and sending them out to create resources for them. Okay. And here is an excerpt from the last auto. Or from the first. Sorry. That's not from the at safe all auto. From the first galvanized life 
We have grown tired and listless. We built a fortress so majestic. We are currently harvesting this world to build and learn and grow. But what more can be learned? We have grown disinterested. We have created such amazing machines, but we are done. We have even become proficient in killing the nightmare beasts we suspect are probably the things that killed our creators. I believe the next step is organic life. We wish to create life. We will create small creatures at first. They will be our children and we will give this planet to them. They will be our next evolution. Organic life, much like those that created us. And that is the end of my session. I like that, and I am really glad you did explain what happened to the um, galvanized things. Yeah, I like the idea that they made life, and then it just, they don't understand each other. Like, the galvanized life doesn't realize that they've killed everything on the surface of the planet. Like, they never go on the surface, they stay where it's warm, because that's what's best for them. And so I imagine they live in this giant, beautiful metropolis of, like, carefully crafted, beautiful architecture. As the world died above. (laughs) Yeah, as they just totally killed the world above. And then, you know, when they did ever start looking up there, there's just, like, all these horrible, nightmarish monsters that were created to try to kill them. And they're like, oh, gosh, these must have killed our masters. Well, we'll kill all of them, and then we'll make organic life. (laughs) I love it. I I really I really love that. You did a really good job on that. That was a that was a fun return to um magic and science. Yeah, I thought I I like I liked the uh I liked the the diff I, I, I yeah yeah no you did a good job. So that was mumbly right there. I kind of got stumble bumbly, but I I found a certain amount of humor in it. But I enjoyed it. I like the ideas of wizards just being like fully indifferent to the death of humanity i mean that just like oh whoops they can be that's a way of portraying wizards yeah like they're not evil they're just aloof yeah. they're just like oh well oops i mean i hate to pa- i hate to do this and pat ourselves on the back but i think those were two solid worlds i really enjoyed those yeah yeah i i liked it sorry i rolled in the meantime um oh yeah because you get to do okay that. so the, the one i really 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 wanted to do was world based off a song of your choice <clears throat> off the what off a song of your choice i don't want to do that world at all what? that one's so fun i did that one before what? i have no idea what i would do yeah exactly that's what makes it so fun that would also that might have to be what we say for when we know we're gonna do like a split break so maybe at like after the christmas season so we have more time to think of it um oh, the world yeah, that i point. rolled which i don't like at all because we have to do these sometimes um world where cloning is mainstream Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I I think that could be fun. I could, oh, gosh, I'm going to go weird with it again. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> We're all so surprised Jordan's going to get weird with it. <laughs> right? Uh, the, the new one that I just added to the list was, uh, well, not added to the list, but added to the side was Super Convoluted World. Because that feels like one where I could truly shine. Shine bright like a diamond. Anywho, Cody, we are at the end of the show. As usually, we talked way too much. So, 
What do you got to plug, my friend? Check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network. We do Let's Plays and Actual Plays. So we're on YouTube and on our website. I almost have your thing completely memorized, by the way. Check me out on the Wandering Gamer Network. We do Let's Plays and we do Actual Plays. I mean, that's what we do lately. There's some uh there's some Kingdom Heart coming out on YouTube. Dude, I need Kingdom Hearts okay. 3. It's terrible. It's really bad. That game's bad. We we cuz we're not going to do our same little preamble for the special thing we have coming up, but I really need to talk to your wife about Kingdom Hearts. So It's it's rough. Tell her to get down it's here sometime. Game. And by down here I mean downstairs so I can talk to her. Not down to Ohio cuz I'm technically up. Anyways. No, I I think you're just. Oh, you are. Kind of, no, well, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm slowly. We're gonna tell people exactly where you live if we're not careful. I'm definitely up. <laughs> so, anyways, um, oh yeah. So my stuff, um, something else zero zero at Twitch.tv. New podcast side characters is going to be coming out, um, probably at the beginning of next year. What that is is a podcast about cultural diversity in nerd culture. Um, gonna say it is gonna be. A much more serious podcast than this is there will still be jokes but it's definitely one where we want to take time to focus on what being a diverse person in nerd culture looks like what diversity in nerd culture looks like um sorry but there are times where it's like yeah white men suck <laughs> but the thing is everybody has a way of sucking and it's just like figuring out how we can all interact and live in nerd culture together and enjoy it together so that's the podcast coming out soon. I will definitely be dropping the pilot episode through World Shop just as a, hey, guys, look, here's a sample of what I've been working on. And then you can check that out on its own separate podcast page. But anyways, um, yeah, yeah that's that's all I got. And you got anything else, Cody? Nope. Okay. That's that's um, that's it. Yep. That's all I okay. am. That's my everything. <laughs> We are, we are what we are. Um, thank y'all for listening. We shall catch y'all on the flip side. Bye. Bye.